worship team. As you finish off your time of just singing and you saying, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. So as you say those things, I think it's important for us just to pause for a second and say, is that really true in my own personal heart? Am I now ready to say, okay, God, you speak to me. God, you give me something from your word, not just information, because it's fascinating the wealth of information that we have as far as individuals and in the church in America, but are you really going to say this morning, Father, you speak to me. Here I am, Father. I'm ready to hear your voice. And in saying that, worship is saying, you know, not only do I hear you, but Father, I'll give you permission to change my life from the inside out. God, I'll allow you to work on the things that nobody knows except my spouse. Is that what we're saying this morning? Here I am to worship. I realize we're entering into this this season. And as you go into this season, there's lots of different things. There's Christmas trees. There's lights. There's the opportunity to go and travel and see all the different people. And all all those things are wonderful and fun. There's that whole concept of buying just the right gift. What can I get for so-and-so for Christmas this year? What do you think they want? Well, they like the gift. Can you find the gift? And the biggest question is, how much will the gift cost you? And all those things aren't wrong. And for some of you, you just... You've had your Christmas gift bought six months ago. You already knew what you were going to get for so-and-so, and so you got it. But as you enter into this season, I wonder if what it would look like if we stopped and said, you know, God, I want to see this season through your eyes. God, I want to look at, at our society and our world, and God, I want to look at our family, church family, and then the family that you're involved in. God, I want to look at it through your eyes this season. Because God, I don't want to get wrapped up and be too busy and miss really what you want from me this this Christmas. What does God want you to do for so-and-so? What does God want you to see this Christmas? Besides the lights, besides the presents, besides the food, besides the family. God, what do you want me to see? And as you go through all that part, there's great big word pictures as you go through this whole Christmas season. And as I've been thinking about the word pictures, the one that I, that I think of most is, is Bethlehem. See, God just didn't say, well, I want my son just to be born anywhere. God allowed him to be born a very specific place. Because that place displayed a very big word picture to the whole world, and especially to the Jews. You say, what are you talking about? It's just a little podunk town south of Jerusalem. Yeah, it is. But that small town was the town of who? Where he was born. David. Okay? That's important. Another thing. 
which most of us, we don't even think about when we enter into this season. We don't think about Bethlehem and we don't think about sheep. Because we're not involved in sacrifice. See, we're not involved in journeying to Jerusalem. And we're not involved in the process of of taking that little sheep with you on your journey to go sacrifice in Jerusalem. We've never done that. We have no concept. None of us have really any concept of what sheep are, other than we hear this noise in our head every once in a while. We have no concept of how dumb sheep are. We have no concept of how hard sheep are to actually take care of and maintain. We have no concept of a sheep even knowing their shepherd's voice. And when a shepherd would go a certain direction, we have no concept when that shepherd would go say, I want to get them over to some water. But the water can't be moving too fast because the sheep don't have the concept of maybe we can slow it down a little bit and then we can drink it. They'll just walk away. They won't drink. We have no concept of that. And so as we enter into this time of the year, we don't think about Bethlehem. We don't think about sacrifice. And the Creator God said, hey, I want my son to be born in the town of David. But on top of that, people would go to Bethlehem that they would be traveling up to Jerusalem for sacrifices. You know what they would do? When they would get to Bethlehem, they would go find the shepherds, and then they would buy a sheep. Because it's a lot easier to take a sheep five miles than to journey all the way from your homeland with a sheep. So when we get to Bethlehem, we're going to go buy us a sheep. And that way, we'll just have to take it a little while longer to Jerusalem, and then we'll sacrifice it. See, Bethlehem, this time of the year, spoke, spoke a vivid word picture. Sacrifice. Would be born in a manger. The one that would take away sin would be born in a manger. The one that would provide hope would be born in a town that nobody recognized, Bethlehem, so that you would have hope this morning. And as I was thinking my way through this, I just have two things I want to share with you this morning. First one, take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 2. God's ways most likely won't be your ways. I think this is maybe would be a, a little sentence or a phrase that you need to really hold on to because most of us, we don't like anything that is not our way. We kind of like to do the way we want to do it. And so as you enter into a relationship with this God who sent His Son to die on a cross for your sins, that baby that was born in a manger, His name was Jesus, He's going to ask something of you. He's going to ask you to give up your will. He's going to ask you to trust Him. He's going to ask you over time. That's why I asked the question, are you really ready to worship? Are you really ready to hear God's word to you? Are you open to that? Because if you say yes, then you're going to have to lay down your wants, your desires. And so as I look at Luke uh, chapter uh, 2, how, this is where I get the this is how I get the phrase God's ways most likely are not your ways. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first sentence or census that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth 
in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. God's ways are not David's ways. Because if David had a or not, I mean, Joseph had a choice, Mary and Joseph had a choice, they would not be traveling when Mary was due a child. And so God had a plan, and all of you quote-unquote people, he uses the government too, to do things that are not our ways. And so God, all the way back with Mary and Joseph, says, hey, I'll use the government. I'm going to even work it out so we can get a census. And so now, Mary and Joseph are going to have to travel because of the issue of the decree. Census to be taken over all the Roman Empire. Go to your hometown to register. The journey was to take place. Mary and Joseph and a donkey on the way to a town called Bethlehem. Really, God? This doesn't make any sense. God, you came to us and you told us that Mary was going to have a baby and it was going to be conceived of a virgin and it could be conceived in her womb and now you want me to travel, God? God, I don't want to go to Bethlehem. God, this doesn't make any sense to me. God, have you ever traveled with a pregnant wife? God, have you ever traveled where you could go more than two hours before you had to stop and go to the bathroom? Come on, God. And now you're going to give me a donkey and you're going to say, hey, take this woman to Bethlehem? God, have you lost your mind? Well, Joseph had already learned that, God, that his ways were not God's ways. Joseph already had a plan to be married to Mary. And God came to him and said, hey, by the way, she's pregnant with child. And now Joseph is going to have to make a decision. God, am I going to follow your ways? God, am I going to follow your word to me? Or am I going to dismiss this woman? Because God, as far as I know, this has never happened in history before. So God, I don't know if I believe this woman. And God had already started something in Joseph's heart. Hey, Joseph, I want you to trust me. Joseph, I'm not going to ask you to trust me when it's convenient for you. And Joseph, I'm not going to ask you to trust me when you can make sense of all this. Joseph, I want you to learn a principle. My ways will not be your ways. Because he's God. So on the journey, I have no idea what the the conversation was like. I have no idea what the frustration must have been as they traveled. All I know in this passage of Scripture is Joseph has a choice to make. And his choice is to go to Bethlehem. Why is that important? Bethlehem is the birthplace of our King. Don't miss that this Christmas. See, as you enter in the second thing that I want to share with you. I want to share the second thing. Bethlehem is the first place of our king. God had prophecy to fulfill. That's why Mary and Joseph are on a journey. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't God just was saying, you know what? This will be fun to aggravate Joseph and Mary today. And so let's just buy for the fun of it. Let's make them travel to this little town in Bethlehem. Oh, that's exciting. 
That's not how God works. Now, your parents might have worked that way, but God doesn't work that way. See, God had a prophecy fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 7, Micah chapter 5. And I won't take a bullet for the, for the number of years, but I think it's around 714 years God has prophesied in Isaiah that something was going to take place in this little old town called Bethlehem. And he's going to use Mary and Joseph. And he's going to use the government to help make this thing all work out. So God is going to send Mary and Joseph to the town of David. And what do I see in that? So as I think about Bethlehem as the birthplace of our king, you know what I see? A God of faithfulness. A God that is faithful to his word. See, God prophesied in Isaiah, and then he said, you know what? If I really don't want to do this, I don't have to do this because I am God. But because of the characteristic of who God is, that he's an unchanging God. He said, you know what? I want to have Isaiah say something 714 years before it even makes sense. And I don't even know if Isaiah totally comprehended the whole concept. But he had Isaiah say something that was going to be fulfilled in Luke chapter 2. Because he wanted you to see that he's faithful to his word. He wanted you to see that he will keep his promises. He wanted you to see that you could trust him. So my question is, do you trust him? And I know sitting here, we would give the church answers. Well, you know, preacher, I am in church. So at least it looks like I trust him. Do you trust him? Because what I know is that he will send things in your life that don't make sense. And then you will have to answer the question, God, this isn't about me. God, I'm going to be willing to trust your ways. Because you are my king. Is that true in your heart this morning? Not when you're sitting here in church. But when you go home this afternoon or this evening and there's nobody else around, it's just you and God. You and Jesus. You and His Bible. The Word of God. And He says to you, this is what I want from you. When He says to you, this will be part of your story. This hardship, this brokenness, This thing that doesn't make sense, I want to make it part of your story because I don't want it to be all your story. I want it to be my story through you. See, that's what he's doing. When life hurts, he's creating his story through you. When life is unfair, he's creating his story through you. And so, you know, I give you two things. And in saying those two things, I'm going to ask you to trust him. And I'm not just going to ask you to trust him today. I'm not going to just ask you to trust him and say, well, 
you know, you know, preacher, I have asked for forgiveness of my sins, and you know I've asked him to, to forgive me, and I know that I have a Savior, and, and I know that he died on the cross for my sin, and I know that he was born in Bethlehem, and I know he, the angels came to the shepherds, and they went and visited. I know all that stuff. No, I'm asking you to trust him for the rest of your life. We have too many people that say, yeah, Jesus, I trust you 25 years ago, but I'm not following you. That's not trust in him. That's just knowing about him. That's just knowing the concept of him. You came this morning. You believe that we have spent some time adjusting the bolts on your seats. Did any of you check the bolts on your seat this morning? So you just believed and you sat down. You do the same thing with the Word of God. Oh, I believe, and then I just follow what it says. See, as you gather together as a family, you ask yourself, or I ask myself, what's the big deal? Why does it really matter? What's the big deal this time of the year? Why don't we just just go ahead and celebrate the, the gifts, and why don't we just go ahead and celebrate the family? Why don't we just celebrate all that stuff? Does it really matter? It does. Because we have some words written in the book called 1 John. Take your Bible and go to 1 John. And I want you to look at some words with me. And I want you to think about John saying these words to you. And I want you to think about not just a a pastor talking. I want you to think about John who had had supper with Jesus had walked around, had seen the things that he had done. It's an eyewitness account of John to you this morning. And he's, it's recorded in the Word of God, and it's recorded in what we call 1 John chapter 1. And you read these words from this eyewitness. This is what was from the beginning, which we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at, and our hands have touched this. We proclaim concerning the Word of life. The life appeared. We had seen it and we testified to it. And we proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him. And we declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by truth. But if I walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Eyewitness account. His name is John. What does he want you to know? Well, if you look at the first four verses, John walked with him, he ate with him, he talked with him, he had seen things, he had fellowship with him. But what does John want you to know? Look at the end of verse 4. I write these things to make our joy complete. Joy only comes, true joy only comes through one place. 
one person. His name is Jesus. See, John had watched people being persecuted. John knows what it is to be empty and alone. John's on, most likely on the island of Patmos. He's all by himself now. He's not gathering in a worship service and writing down words for you. He's saying, I want you to know something. I've seen this person. And even though I am alone, and even though I'm in exile, and even though I'm on this island, and even though I can't comprehend all of these things of what's happening, I want to say something to you. Joy comes from Jesus. You know what? John just didn't leave it right there. He gave you some very specific words after that. He says this to you. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. So as you travel around and you enjoy the lights, and you enjoy the blinking of the lights, and you enjoy the design of the lights, and you enjoy the colors of the lights, may that remind you very clearly that God is light in a dark world. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by truth. What is John saying? If we claim to have fellowship, if we claim to have a friendship or a companionship, you know what, Jesus? You are my father. If I, if I, if I proclaim that, then my life needs to model his life. And notice I use the word model. You will not be perfect. We're all sinners. And that sin nature does not go away until you take your last breath. Let me tell you something. It does not give you the license to live however you want to live your life. Don't say, I love Jesus, and then find something that is a direct commandment in his word and say, you know what, I don't want to have to do that. So because I don't want to have to do that, I'm just going to live however I want to live my life. That's not how life works in relationship with Jesus. That's not companionship. Does that make sense? It's not good enough for me to say to Susan over in that fellowship hall, 22 years ago, babe, I love you. And then never say, I love you ever again in my relationship. It doesn't work that way. It's not good enough for us, for, for me to stand over there 22 years ago and say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for sickness, and health, as long as you make me happy, I'll love you, girl. That's not how it works. How it works is, I made a commitment over there. Now, have I fulfilled all that? Am I perfect? Absolutely not. I'm far from it. But there is a desire in my heart to meet with him so that I can take care of her. And when I meet with him, it's not just this mental thing. Say, well, you know, I just, I, God, I really like you today, and so I want to go on. I don't know if you remember how many weeks ago we read Psalm 51 in church. But I've been working on that psalm for the last three weeks, just thinking my way through certain things. And I've been really thinking my way through Psalm 5110. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. And asking God to do that and knowing all of the junk that's inside of there. 
God, do something in my life. Create in me this. Allow me to be different. Allow me to truly have fellowship with you. Allow me to truly surrender to what you say is right. For those of you that are involved in some type of a marriage relationship, I challenge you to define your relationship based on when it comes to the word love, based on this book. Because I know what happened. Most likely at your wedding, they, they read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient, love is kind. And you can go on and on and on and on. Love is not rude. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrong. Define it that way. Define your relationship with companionship. Define it this way. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and I yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, so no one should boast. Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship. You. You. So the next time you see an inadequacy in your life, be reminded that you are a masterpiece. Define your value that way. Not by anything that you do or where you go. Allow your heart to be free. When you look in the mirror, first thing in the morning, and your hair is going every which direction, and you got bad breath, you can say, you know what, I am a masterpiece. Not by human standards, but by God's standards. Because human standards is outside. God doesn't interested in the outside. He knows all about that. He made it. He's interested in your heart, the inside. So this morning, as you enter into this season, does it matter who is your king? Yeah, it does. Because if it's just the Christmas tree, and if it's just the manger, and if it's just the lights, you don't have a masterpiece. You don't have value. You don't have hope. You don't have joy. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. And so as John says to you this morning, if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in darkness, walk in darkness, that means that I have no respect for the authority of the word of God. And I live in direct disobedience for a long period of time to what God says is right. God, if you call me to live a certain life, love my wife from your perspective, and your perspective is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, then I want to live by that. God, you said in your word, don't be drunk. Hey, God, I don't want to be drunk then. God, you said, in Ephesians, that you deposited a, uh, uh, a Philippians, you deposited inside of me a gift of the Holy Spirit for eternity. Then I've got hope. But I'm afraid, and I'm not literally afraid, but I think the majority of churches in America aren't talking about walking in light. They're not talking about walking in darkness. And so you know what people don't know? 
we lie and do not live by truth. But if we walk in the light, walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. John wants you to know this this morning. The only way that He is your King is not by praying a prayer 25 years ago and then living your life however you want to live your life. You want assurance of your salvation? Surrender to the authority of the Word of God. You want hope when there is no hope? Go back to Psalm 62 and read, God is your refuge. God is your strength. You want to have life on this earth? Then surrender to the authority of the Word of God. Don't say to your Heavenly Father, something that you would never, ever have said to your earthly father. I don't want to do it your way, Dad. Dad, I love you, but I'm not going to do that. It didn't work in my family. It didn't work in my dad's family. And I'm pretty sure it didn't work in your family, too, where your parents high-fived you and said, you know what? That's no problem. You go live your life however you want to live your life. I'm still going to love you. No. They grabbed you by the arm and said, that's not the way we live our life. Or they got real close, nose to nose to you, and said, listen, you can say whatever you want to say, but this is what we're going to do. Or if you live longer than that, your dad probably just knocked you out cold. He said, or you got delivered to the woodshed, and he said, this is how we're going to do this. Whenever you talk to me this way, This is what the response is. So don't do something that you didn't do to your earthly father. And don't think you can do that to your heavenly father and still call him father. John wants you not to be deceived. If you're telling your heavenly father what to do, he's probably not really your heavenly father. So we entered into Christmas. Who is your king? My king was born in Bethlehem. My king does things the way I don't think is always best. So I'm learning to trust my king and say, you know what? I would rather do it your way than my way. And I'm learning to trust him in his ways. I might not like him. I might not like what he thinks is best, but I'm learning to trust him. And my prayer as you enter into this season, that you will be willing to, To say, Father, I want to follow you. That you would truly know that your king was born in a manger. In a little town called Bethlehem. And a display to the whole world. That he was going to sacrifice his own son. For our sin. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege to gather together as a family today. So, Father, as we've heard your word, may it not just be something that we listen to as information that was going on in a church service. May it not just be talked about at lunch, but may, Holy Spirit, we would give you permission to, to fulfill the word of God to be lived out in our lives. And if you're here this morning and you've been telling your father what to do, Maybe it's time for you to say, you know what, Father? I need to ask you for forgiveness. 
Maybe you need to stop and accept God's provision for you. Maybe it's time for you to respond. Maybe it's time for you to say, you know what, Father, not only do I believe in the concept of Jesus Christ to obtain the gift of salvation, but maybe it's time for me to say, you know what, Father, it's time for me to follow you. It's time for me to surrender. Father, thank you for your word. May it not just be something that we um, hear, but may it be something that we do. In your name I pray. Amen.